What is going on, guys? It's your boy. It's back with the JC and the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Lee. Some people call me the truth. My co-host, Chris. And today, we'll be discussing and recapping the MLB free agency so far. And we'll be looking towards the 2021 MLB season. Now, for starters, I'd like to inform you guys that we both apologize for really kind of not talking much about the MLB. But as you know, with NFL playoffs on and, and us returning back to college, it's been kind of hard to really schedule the time especially also with having two guest hosts it's been kind of hard to really get the multiple episodes in a week but now we'd like to bring you back and kind of recap the MLB free agency with you guys so to start off Chris if we're talking about who really made a splash in free agency in my opinion it's both of our divisions the NL East and the AL East really came out to show this offseason you know obviously with teams like the Rays and the Braves winning both divisions the teams under them really wanted to make a splash. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Let me start by saying it's a wonderful day. We have a beautiful March day, 80 degrees. No, I'm kidding. You know, it's, it's a horrible time this year. Um, we still have a while to go until the baseball season. It's about eight degrees here right now. But, um, it, you know, we have, we have baseball on the horizon. It's good just to be able to sit here. You know, my juices are flowing. I have butterflies in my stomach just thinking about the baseball season coming up. Or it's going to be here before we know it. It'll be a few more months. But like you said, we, I mean, it's been – it's been, as we said at the beginning of our podcast, it's been a super, super, super slow start to the LMB free agency, but it's, things have picked up over the last month, and I couldn't agree more with you. It is really good to see, I mean, really minus the Orioles. You know, the Orioles aren't really doing anything, and even the Marlins. Marlins do have good talent. They were in the playoffs last year, but they're still not that big market team. But it is really good to see if teams like, you know, our Mets and your Yankees, go out there and even teams like the Red Sox who have been fighting, you know, sour cap issues and um, have been trying to rebuild something from scratch. And, um, you know, they're really going out there trying to make moves. So I'm excited to get into that today and recap all the big moves. Yeah. And for me, I know, uh, you know, it's, it's the Yankees are always the team I look forward to the most given that the Penguins are on a heavy decline. The magic are an awful basketball team and the giants break, <laughs> break me down pretty much every year. But overall, the Yankees are just the team I always look forward to. They're the only team I actually sit there and go, this team actually could be championship caliber until they've always proved me wrong in, in the postseason. But to start off, let's get into the NL East. So this is your division, Chris. And I mean, honestly, you have to be happy with how the moves your team made. But it's not your team. It wasn't just your team that made some moves. I mean, if we're looking at the Nationals, right? The Washington Nationals, everyone looked at them and said, their World Series year, a fluke right? Looking at them this year, everyone's like, this World Series they had, it was a fluke. They had good players. Uh, you know, they had good pitchers playing well, but overall it, it didn't mean anything. Well, look at them this year. They went out and they got guys like Kyle Schwarber, Josh Bell, Brad Hand. They went out and they made sure that they are no longer looked at as that team who had that fluky World Series win. And they're trying to get right back into it. You know, they, they ended up getting some hitters that they desperately needed, uh, in my opinion, since the loss of Anthony Rendon. Yeah. And, I mean, adding in another bullpen guy like Brad Hand, who, I mean, forget that Yankees game. He had probably the best year in, in relief in baseball. What would, he, what would he go, 12 for 12 in saves? Yeah, he, he, he had a great season. And like you said, he, he's going to slide right into that closer role. Um, I'm hoping the Mets have that continued success against him. Uh, I'll always remember that. I think it was J.D. Davis. That hit, uh, I don't think it was a home run, but it was a walk-off hit against him. But um, he's in this, I think he's going to slide seam seamlessly right into that closer role. And like you said, Lee, I think, I think last year for them was more of a recovery year. Yes, they were, you know, they were competitive. 
but they were trying to find their identity without Anthony Rendon, probably, in my opinion, the best third baseman in baseball. I mean, you can make the argument, but he's, he's up there. He's up there for sure. So um, it's, I think Josh Bell is going to be an absolute stud for them. And, you know, guys like Carter keep booms and step up. We all know how good Trey Turner is. But the Nationals, watch out from this year, too. It's going to be a very competitive NL East. Yep, and let me make this clear right now. The one guy we haven't even mentioned is, I'm saying it right now, the 2021 NL MVP, Juan Soto. Juan Soto. That's yeah. my prediction. I think he is going to be the 2021 NL MVP. I mean, if you look at how he played last year, if he didn't miss games, he would have been the 2020 NL MVP. I don't care how good Freddie Friedman did, Juan Soto was on his own planet. It, it's, it's, it's great to see, too. I mean, as a Mets fan, I'm a little disappointed that, you know, we didn't have this mentality in 2015 where we're going all out to, you know, make these moves that make us, that puts us over the top. But, you know, of course, now we're making all these moves, getting all these players, and everyone in our division is good. I mean, I don't think there's a team in the NL East that you're going to say, okay, that's, a, that's an easy win. You know what I mean? There's no, I don't think there's anything, there's no such thing as an easy win in the NL East anymore. So I think all these teams are doing a good job. And, you know, they're getting, even the Braves, we haven't, you know, we haven't touched them on the Braves yet. But they have gone out there and made a few key, low-key moves, I would say. Charlie Morton is good. I mean, is he going to be Charlie Morton in, in, like he was with the Rays? I don't know. I mean, the or Rays even seem the Astros. to have counted a youth there. Even yeah. the Astros, yeah. Um, but I think that is a solid move for them, so we'll see. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think the Braves were even a team that really needed to go out there and make a splash. You know, obviously, there's also connections with them trying to keep uh, Marcelo Zuna, but we'll discuss the DH, uh, the DH circumstance later. But let's, yeah, you know, the Braves being, are, are going to be a top-of-the-line team. They're, in my opinion, no offense, I think they're still going to win that division. They're just they're, – they're built, they're built insanely strong. Um, but overall, let's get to another team that I think could make a push for the top of the division, but I don't think they're going to in the Philadelphia Phillies. They went out and they did the number one thing that they really planned on doing, and it was going out there and keeping JT Real Muto in a Phillies uniform for at least another five years. Mm-hmm. I know that Real Muto probably didn't get the contract he desired the most. I think he wanted a little bit more length. Um, but five years, $115 million for a catcher. Can you really ask for more? That's, you, that's an you don't see that a lot. Exactly. It's an incredible sum of money for, in my opinion, the best catcher in the league. Overall, I don't think the Phillies really touched up on a lot of other areas that they really needed to figure out, which was obviously their historically bad bullpen and their yeah. pitching rotation. No, they didn't. I mean, there is still time to, to go out there and make those moves, but spring training starts in what, in less than a month from now? So I think teams are starting to get ready to, you know, go on with the teams that they have right now. But I would love to see – actually, I wouldn't love to see, but, you know, from a baseball perspective, the Phillies go out there and make a few more moves. I mean, I think the Phillies are close. Whenever you have Bryce Harper on your team, you're going to compete. You know, the guy, you know, he's not – I think – honestly, I think Juan Soto is probably better than him right now. I think you would agree with me on that. But Bryce Harper is still a top 20, 20 player in this league, maybe even top 15 when he's, when he's on his game. So whenever you have a guy like him on your team, you're going to compete but it doesn't account for how bad your bullpen and how bad your rotation is going to be. So we, we all know how good Aaron Nola is. I know you're a huge Aaron Nola fan. I got But he can't, he can't be a one-man show. I mean, we've seen it before. Yep. Look, at, look, how, look at how good Jacob DeGrom has been over the last, what, three, four years? I mean, histor- yep. historically dominant, historically yep. dominant. That, that, that doesn't translate to you going out there and getting wins. You can pitch as good as you want, but the team, yep. the team and the bullpen and the fielders behind you can, can ruin your game. So I think yeah. the Phillies really need to go out there and – make a few more moves. I mean, I, I thought Brad Hand would have been perfect for them. Yeah, me I mean, too. I really thought that would have been a great yeah. uh, a great addition to that team, a, a reliable guy. But, you know, once again, the Phillies, their hitting will never let them uh, just go down easily. Their bullpen will 
help them go down easily, but their hitting will not with guys like, as we said, Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, et cetera, et cetera. But now let's get to the guys that I know that you are scared to death of because they actually have expectations now. And that is the New York Mets. I mean, if we're talking about who had the best offseason, in my opinion, I think you're looking at the, the guys on your shirt right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I mean, for once in a lifetime, I you know I agree with you. I, I truly agree with you. <laughs> and it's, this is the first time as a Mets fan, it's super exciting. I'm um, going into this season with you know some kind of World Series expectations. Yeah, as a fan, I think as a good fan, you're always hoping the best for your team. You always hope that they can win the World Series. But I think in recent years, that expectation wasn't. A reality you know what I mean it's it wasn't that reality we had we had holes all over the place and yeah we still have our holes now but we have a really good roster right now I think Francisco Lindor puts us over the top I think our you know one through eight minus I don't know if we're doing a DH we'll touch on that a little bit but our one through eight is one of the most solid baseball I wouldn't say it's the best in baseball but it's it's probably top five in baseball you're not you're, we have a good we have a good blend of power contact hitters even speed which we haven't had good speed in a while for, uh, Lindor brings some good speed he, bring, he brings it all. I mean, he's probably one of the best five-two players in baseball. And, you know, I think one part of that trade that's often forgot is, is Carlos Cookie Carrasco. I mean, the guy's a warrior. And, uh, you know, he, he battled cancer. And um, that, that just shows you how strong he is as a person mentally. Um, he's a great pitcher. I mean, he's probably going to be our number two or three pitcher, three pitcher this year. And um, I think we have a really solid rotation. We've just got rid of Steven Matz. Um, you know, Mets fans have – their ups and downs with him. I've always liked Matt's. Matt's a good guy. He did great charity work. And, you know, um, him as a person will be missed. His performance probably will not be missed as a Met. Um, he, he's very hit or miss. But um, I think, you know, Steve Cullen has done a good job of coming in and really – and Sandy Alderson. Sandy Alderson is one of my favorite, you know, GM figures of all time. I think they've both done a really good job of coming in here and trying to right the ship. And let's not forget, uh, I think Trevor May is going to be a good piece of the Mets rotation uh, – bullpen too. 100%. Um, yeah, and even James McCann. I mean, we we missed out on Romuto, which is fine. I'm okay with that, but I think James McCann will be will be solid too. Yeah, and I think uh, from like listening to what you and all the Mets fans have been saying going into the offseason, you had a few things you wanted to figure out. Number one, you need to figure out a starting catcher because it ain't Ramos. Uh, you needed a bullpen guy. You needed another depth pitcher, uh, and you know, trying to figure out. Maybe that shortstop position, if it, if Ahmed really is the future or, you know, whatever it was with, I think it was Jimenez was the other option. Uh, you did a lot more than that. You got the best shortstop in baseball in Francisco Lindor. Trevor May, who is a very capable and solid reliever to probably slide right into a, uh, a you know, a seven or an eight role with the team. Yep. Uh, James McCann. I mean, if you're not going to get Real Mudo, sign him. He's going to be, you know, less money. And uh, less years, probably. And, I mean, it didn't seem like Real Muto really wanted to be in New York at all. And then, lastly, like you said, Cookie. Carrasco is a phenomenal pitcher when he's fully healthy and on the mound. And, obviously, he beat, you know, he beat cancer. You know, amen to that. Um, it was awesome to see him on the mound uh, this year, especially when we played him against the, the Indians. I mean, and a lot of people, uh, despite the fact that, you know, Gio hits that grand slam, people forget that. Carrasco's like that first inning I watched him pitch and I was like wow this guy is really good after that yeah. you know things got a little bit out of hand but you know you haven't seen the Yankees lineup all year first time you see them it's going to be tough to battle them but overall I think the Mets really had 
the best offseason out of any team in the MLB. Obviously, Steve Cohen came in, made it apparently 100% obvious that they intend to spend and get as many free agents as they possibly can. And listen, there's still a specific somebody on that free agent market. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be doubting he'd be there. I don't think that they're done yet. I mean, like we we're just saying, trading, trading away Steven Matz, I think that was part of a bigger move. You know, um, in today's baseball league, obviously we had the 60-game season last year. Let's throw that out the window. But in a normal season where we have 162 games, that's a long season. And if you're going to ask five guys to go out there and be there every fifth day, that's pretty unreasonable. You know what I mean? You have injuries, you have, you know, little knacks that come up. So you need pitching depth in this league. So I think trading away Steven Matz, who at this point of his career, I think on the Mets rotation at least, was more of a sliding guy, maybe back end kind of rotation kind of guy. I think trading him away signals that the Mets are not done. And whether that's signing Trevor Bauer, which would, you know, I have mixed feelings about that. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, or just sign another rotation piece. So I don't know who that would be, but I think the Mets are looking to do more. And not just there, I think they're still trying to shore up defense as well. They got better behind the plate. I mean, Wilson Ramos couldn't stop a dump truck from coming in last year. Uh, you know, we upgraded with McCann. We upgraded up the middle. You know, I loved Ahmed Rosario. I loved watching him grow. Obviously, like you said, we got the best shorts up in baseball. But our other problem was behind our pitchers in center fields. And Brandon Nimbo, I love the guy too not exactly the best center fielder in baseball. He's, I think he's rated one of the worst defensively in baseball. So I wouldn't be shocked if we were talking about this before. And go, go out there and get someone like Jackie Bradley Jr. So um, I don't think the Mets are done. I think they still have maybe close to $30 million, $25 million to spend before they hit the luxury tax line. I don't think they want to exceed that this year. So I think the Mets are going to play around with that with their remaining money and see what they, what they can get. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, you know, from um, if we're talking about New York baseball standpoint, I think you guys getting Bauer and us having Garrett Cole, the two UCLA boys that I'm sure are not on perfect terms with each other, as we always know, they had like a little a rivalry going on growing up. Uh, I'd love to uh, I'd love to see that battle, you know, the battle in New York baseball, the Subway Series, World Series. I know we all want it. But, you know, in order for us to get there, we both need to make it to the World Series, which means passing the Dodgers and the Rays and Padres and all those other Dodgers. Yeah. So now let's get into my favorite division, the AL East, the division that makes me want to tear my hair out every time, I, every time we play people in it. So to start off, as I said, the New York Yankees, I really wasn't expecting much going into this offseason, right? Like, it, it, really, it really just to me was, as long as they could re-sign DJ, I'd be fine. But the teams in the AL East did not slouch like I thought they were going to. For starters, besides the Rays who lost Blake Snell and uh, Charlie Morton, the Blue Jays went out there and they really made some noise. Not in the only, in the only area they needed to fix, which was starting pitching. That was the only area they didn't fix. But everything else, you know, they really went out of their way to make better. I mean, let's be honest here. They went out and they got George Springer. George Springer for center field, add that to a team with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio. Like, like that is a deadly, deadly, deadly offense. I mean, they went out and they really stunned the world. And then uh, not to mention, I believe they also got Marcus Simeon. Simeon too. First of all, I was actually watching the MLB Network and not one person knows if somebody's going to go, if like Bichette's going to go to third or Simeon's going to go to third, because this now tosses up who's going to be the starting shortstop. I personally think Bichette's going to go to third because he's younger and, you know, just can kind of make that switch. It's crazy that like two years ago, 
Vladdy, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. was third. Bichette is short. Now you're going to have Bichette at third and Vladdy at first. And it's just a whole uh, mess. But, you know, that offense is going to be extremely powerful and hard-hitting. And I'm, honestly, from a Yankees fan perspective, I'm scared of it. That's some infield, too. I think you can – I think, you know, if that's going to be their infield, that's probably one of the best infield in, infields in baseball. And, you know, um, George Springer, I think this is just, as we've alluded to, the reason why this offseason was so slow is because it's been a weird offseason. You know, a lot of owners probably lost a ton of money from – not having fans last year or, you know, really bring any kind of revenue. So as we saw at Springer, I really, you know, what the media has told us, and um, I know we were, we were bashing Twitter before and how, you know, how many false reports came out. Um, but from what Twitter has led us to believe was that really the Springer race was a two-man, a two-team race the whole time between the Blue Jays and the Mets. And me personally, I'm kind of shocked by that. I mean, I, I kind of figured the Astros – we're going to bring him back. I think they value Correa and even Altuve and probably Bregman more than Springer, yeah. which is unfortunate because Springer had such a good run with the Astros. But I'm shocked to see that there weren't more teams in it for George Springer's services. I mean, what the guy brings to a locker room is invaluable. I mean, his leadership is, is top-notch. Um, you know, obviously, it's a little bit tainted with the whole Astros cheating scandal. But, you know, people gravitate around him. and He's, he's a natural leader and um, I think the Blue Jays got to, you know, they paid up for him, but they got to steal on him. And, I mean, there could have been – in a normal year, I think a lot more teams would be giving him that contract. Uh, what was it, six years, 150? Yeah. Um, 115. So, uh, 150, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, the Blue Jays really did get a steal, even though it was a lot of money. So, um, like we said, I, I am – the one fault with the Blue Jays is their pitching. I mean, Rio is a good pitcher. Is he number one at this point in his career? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll have to see. Um, Steven Matz, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, you know what? Um, he, Steven Matz is one of those pitchers that always looks good in the preseason. You know, he comes out throwing hard. You see his confidence before there's any fans in the stadium or anyone in the box. I mean, the guy throws a magnific magnificent bullpen. Yeah. So maybe all he needed was a change of scenery, you know? Maybe he goes to, you know, not Toronto, but <laughs> with the Blue Jays are playing this year. And um, he goes there and he lights it up. I mean, that would be great to see for him as I know he's a good pitcher and he's capable of, of pitching also. Maybe he has one of the, you know, what they call it, a career renaissance. Maybe he has one yeah. there. Um, but they, they do need help pitching-wise. And, you know, there's still some time to sign players. So let's see if they can go out there and, and sign yeah. someone. I mean, overall, they also have the redemption story, hopefully, for Kirby Yates. You know, he, he kind of had an off year with, you know, in the beginning it kind of was tough and then he got hurt. But I'm sure he'll be fine. But then let's get to another team like the Boston Red Sox, another team that people probably slept on a lot this year thinking, oh, well, you know, the Red Sox had such a bad year in 20, uh, in 2020. It's, it's, you know, they're closing their championship or their playoff window. Uh, they went out, they traded Mookie Betts, got Alex Verdugo, who played pretty well. But now they went out and they got guys like, I believe it was um, Garrett Richards, Kike Hernandez. They went out and they made some big, uh, some moves to at least try to help their team be better. Hopefully Eduardo Rodriguez comes back. I think he had a heart issue in the, um, during the regular season. And hopefully he comes back and healthy. Chris Sale too. And Chris Sale, who I'm sure they're going to go easy with. They don't want to force him to do anything he can't, but – I'm sure he'll he'll go out there and, and let's you know let's see which Chris Sale we really find the 2019 Chris Sale or the 2018 and before Chris Sale, <laughs> the World Series Chris Sale. But overall, they made one move that actually will transition me into the New York Yankees. I mean, they went out and they traded with the Yankees for Adam Ottavino. Now, take it from me, I I know Ottavino struggled in 2020. 
I know he did. It was very obvious. He, he couldn't get the breaks. People weren't swinging at his pitches. It was tough. The guy was getting paid, I think it was close to $11 million a year, something along the lines of that. And the Red Sox made the move for him, which I'm not entirely sure why. I didn't see any reason for them to need to go out and, and, and trade for a bullpen guy. Now, obviously, the Yankees were just trying to dump Adovino so they can go out and sign a guy like uh, Darren O'Day and hopefully save up some more money so they could probably sign back Brett Gardner. And <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go from there, obviously. I love Brett. He's old, though. But time to go. <laughs> it's time to go. We have another lefty left fielder. All right. We have another lefty left fielder. We don't need another one. <laughs> um, but overall, they went out and they got Adam Ottavino to add to their bullpen. Obviously, their bullpen was another team that was really historically bad. But overall, I think the Red Sox made some moves to keep themselves in the contention and make people say, hey, listen, like we're not going down without a fight. We may not yeah. be we may not be the New York Yankees. We may not be the San Diego Padres, but we're going to go out there and we're going to make it hell for you. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think they're going to, like you said, I think their mantra is going to be be competitive this year. Yep. Um, there is no lofty World Series expectation for them, and I don't think they're going to be a, a bottom five team like the Tigers or you know whoever else in the oh, mountain sure. Orioles or. But they're going to be competitive. I, I think they're going to float around eighty wins and be eighty two wins if they could, you know, string together a few games. But um, it is a. I think you can. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you can can classify this season for them as more of like a, a rebuilding season, I guess. Yeah. Um, they have a few good pieces there. They have Verdugo, which I like him a lot when he was with the Dodgers. I, um, I, I truly believe he never really got a true shot with the Dodgers. I mean, he was one of the best prospects in baseball. So um, I'm excited to see what he brings. And Ben Intendi, I know they were trying to trade him. I don't know why. But Ben Intendi is a good piece as well, too. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be, they're going to be competitive. I don't think they're going to be an easy win, but we'll see. I, um, I think your division is, is going to be tough for them. Um, like you're saying before, in my mind, I think it's going to be a three team race, three team uh, race between the Yankees, obviously the Rays and the uh, Blue Jays, but we'll see. Well, you know, baseball is a funny sport and even, you know, we, we ha remember how shocked we were last year when the Marlins made it into the playoffs. That was something, man. But, I mean, if we're going to be honest here, if we're talking about the team that I want to obviously discuss the most is the New York Yankees. Now, I have made jokes all year saying that the Yankees, they don't care anymore. They're done. They're over. They, they're gonna, they may sign DJ back, and that's it, because they are officially in their, in their mode where they want to stay under the luxury tax and save all the money they can because that's, that's what they want to do with Brian Cashman and, and Hal Steinbrenner. But they honestly surprised me a little bit. You know, obviously signing back DJ to a, I guess you could call it team-friendly deal. Um, I love the move. I thought it was a great signing, giving DJ the years, and we didn't have to pay him that much money. I mean, the guy went from – we signed him for $12 million a year for two years, and he was, like, coming off of a, a career worst year. The guy plays, like, an MVP for back-to-back -back years, and what does he get? three more million yeah. like like it's crazy so I thought that move was great but obviously the Yankees team is filled with a lot of ifs Corey Kluber if he can come back to that Cy Young form Jameson Tyon is he going to look good after you know I think he um I want to say he had cancer and beat it and he also had two separate Tommy Johns Tommy Johns yeah if he could even throw a baseball I mean, this, this team is filled with a lot of ifs, but, you know, I'm very glad they went out there and got those two guys because I think they have a huge, um, 
they have a huge redemption story on them. So I think that the Yankees went out and they got a couple of guys that really uh, have the passion and the drive to win. I don't think they're done yet either, as they also, as I mentioned earlier, they went out and got Darren O'Day. I think they still have about 5 to $6 million. And one thing that they haven't done yet that I know is a, a lot of concern to people, they have not made a lot of the signings like official official because they still have to let go of some people on the 40-man roster. Um, so I wouldn't doubt another trade is coming in for the Yankees and eventual signing of Brett Gardner. I refuse to believe that it won't happen. <laughs> I know. It, it, you know, I, I'm a big Brett Gardner fan. I mean, I know you guys, I don't watch every Yankee game, but I mean, when you think of the Yankees say, I mean, I, it's hard not to think of Brett Gardner. How, that guy's been there for over a decade. He's, in my opinion, he's, he's the heart and soul of your team. I mean, he's, he's I agree, he's, but we don't need him anymore. I know, but he's just, he's a, he's a glue guy. I mean, you always need a glue guy. Yeah. And, and I know you don't know, you know, you know, we don't watch basketball as much as we used to, but you have a guy like Theo Pinson on the bench. The guy is, I mean, I think we can take him on one-on-one, um, <laughs> but he is what you call a glue guy on the bench. I mean, he gets everyone up on the bench. He gets you guys, you know, he gets you guys going really. I mean, especially in the case of basketball, fourth quarter, two minutes left, and you need a big shot. You got Theo Pinson screaming in your ear. I mean, it's got to help you. So I think Gardner, you know, he's not going to provide much for you guys. I mean, maybe he will, maybe he'll shock us, but, I think he's a great clubhouse uh, presence. I mean, you can get him for, you know, a few million. Why not do it? I think he, I know you guys will want him back, but he's, he, at this point of his career, he's a leader. He brings depth, and he can still start for you guys. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a horrible move, but I know all Yankee fans got Yeah, me, uh, I mean, if one, of the moves is, if one of the moves is to ship away Mike Talkman, then maybe I could see it because he's another lefty left fielder who plays left field great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, overall we'll have to see. But I don't think we could discuss an MLB free agency without mentioning – the San Diego Padres. Padres. This team, yeah. you know, last year going into their postseason, they didn't have Lamette or Clevenger. They were going in there into games with guys like um, Chris Paddock being their number one, and they're still putting up, you know, a fight. They're still fighting against teams like the Dodgers, and and you know, really, they're keeping themselves in the contention for you know, hey, listen, you may be the Los Angeles Dodgers, but we're right here. You know, we're right here with you. So what did they do this offseason? They went out and they built, in my opinion, one of the best five-man rotations in baseball. They made some sick trades. Well, first of all, they ended up getting you Darvish. Now, mind you, we've known the Padres have had depth prospects for years. So we yeah. knew at some point they were going to go out and spill them all. So they went out they got you Darvish, who was second, I think, in Cy Young voting for the NL. Blake Snell, who do we even really need to talk about that lefty? You know, I've, I've faced him plenty of years. I know he's disgustingly dominant. Um, they already had Lamette, who I think is another – he could have been an ace. for. The, he's probably going to be around the ace for them. Uh, Chris Paddock, who obviously had a rough year, but I, I don't doubt as a four, he may be able to build slowly back into what we saw from him when he was first called up originally. And then the number five, Joe Musgrove, who they uh, I think got from the uh, three-team trade with the um, from the Pirates. Mm -hmm. This team, it, it just seems like it's built to succeed. Right, this team went out there, and instead of saying, "You know what, we're all right. We'll make the playoffs as a wild card team. We'll play second fiddle to this disgusting, dominantly Dodgers team," of you know, with Mookie Betts and and Cody Bellinger. No, they went out and they went and got as many good pitchers as they could. They still have hitting in Tatis and Machado. Like we're gonna even pretend like this team is built to win. And the, I think mm -hmm. the Padres are officially done considering themselves the Dodgers' little brother. They want to go out there and they want to stun this team. And I think this year they might. And and we forgot to bring up uh, Eric Hosmer too. I and mean, I know he's getting a little bit older, but still got he's, the power. He's a great, 
He still has it. Yeah. And you know what? I think we can, we can, me, me and you, we can think back to one of our podcasts maybe two, three months ago. We're sitting here talking about the Padres on one episode and we're talking about the Pirates on another episode. And I think they did exactly what we were talking about. I'll start with the Pirates. You know, we, we mentioned these guys like Musgrove and even uh, your Yankee now, Italian. Um, they went out and they trade all these guys. And, you know, maybe the halls weren't great, but it's a, it's a new era for the, for the Pirates, really just rebuild everything. Even they trade Josh Bell, too. So, um, you know, they went out there and really starting from scratch. They're probably going to – honestly, they might win like 50, 60 games this year. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a tough season. They for might Pirates win fans, less. Like, they really might win Yeah, less. Maybe, maybe less. And like we said for the Padres, um, they're such a premium or such an importance – on going out there and capitalizing on your young talent. And it was good to see the, the, uh, the Padres go out there and do that. Because as we've seen, there's no agreement in place yet. But we've seen Twitter reports, we've seen Bleacher Report updates on how much money that Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to want. Yep. And he's he's not going to come cheap. And we nope. already know they have, um, you know, they have Machado on, Machado their, on, on a big, big deal. Too. Hosmer, I think, so, is on a decent-sized contract, too. Yeah. And, and even these pitchers, you know, once time for a new deal, they're going to want big money too. So I think the Padres really prioritize their short-term future and trying to win a World Series along with the Dodgers, the Mets, the Yankees. I don't know. I don't, I don't think you can throw the Astros in there anymore, but maybe, you know, those four or five teams in there um, yeah. to really go out there and prioritize winning a World Series. So it's good. I'm very happy as a baseball fan to see the Padres go all in and, and try and really capitalize on winning a World Series before they have to pay these guys. Yeah, so overall, like I, the last topic I really want to get into um, is I want to I want to discuss. Oh, actually, one quick thing we didn't really mention is the um, uh, the Twins and their signing of Andrelton Simmons, which is going to lead me into the next point. Andrelton Simmons was brought in to be probably that team's starting shortstop. With I mean, Jorge Polanco, I think he was really struggled defensively, and we know that one play he made basically yeah. killed that killed that Twins team um, in their their first game against the Astros. So overall. Well, I think the Andrelton Simmons move is smart. I, I do think Jorge Polanco is not a guy that you just like ditch to the side and say, okay, whatever, we'll figure out what to do with him. But that does bring up a question. If they brought in Andrelton Simmons, does that mean Polanco becomes the DH? Which leads me into my next point. Everyone going into the offseason said Nelson Cruz is going to be a twin. However, why haven't they re-signed him yet? I think there's one major reason. I think that the Twins are, are just sitting back and waiting because right now we don't know what the MLB is going to do with DH. Are they going to make it um, both leagues have a DH or is it going to be the NL is going to go back to having pitchers batting? Because if that's the case, then why would the Twins go out and, you know, give Nelson Cruz a contract now, assuming that if only one half of the league has DHs, that's a lot less teams they need to compete with to bid on him. That's number one. And number two, what about expanded playoffs? If there's no expanded playoffs, what's the point in a team like the Diamondbacks or, you know, maybe even the Nationals? What's the point in them trying to make moves and go out and sign big players if there's no extended playoffs and it goes back to a five-team uh, five playoff? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, you're, you're totally right on that. And um, I think another guy you can throw into the boat is Marcel Zuna. Exactly. Um, you know, the guy, I, in my opinion, he had an MVP – caliber kind of season last year the, the guy's playing crazy and it's it's honestly kind of sad to see that teams aren't giving him a lot of money but I think teams are trying to utilize him more as a DH obviously he's a he's a weakness out there in left field so I think a lot of guys are trying to wait they're in wait and see mode and I know the season, season's fastly approaching but 
you know, they're waiting for some kind of resolution. Another guy that we, we need to send an Amber, Amber Alert out there for is Ioannis Cespedes. I have no idea where that guy is. I mean, uh, he, he left there in the middle of the Mets season and he never came back. But I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he's in that same boat of trying to see. Um, at this point, he's not a left fielder. He's not a right fielder. He's not a center fielder. He's, he's just a guy who go, goes up there and hits, well, hits the ball at this point in his career. So I'm sure, I'm sure he's in that boat of players who are in wait-and-see mode to see if there's going to be um, a DH in the NL. So we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm eager to try and find out, too, because I, I think it puts the Mets in an interesting conundrum, too, with Dom Smith and Pete Alonso. I always, uh, I always pictured, um, I always picture you on a cesspit is like on the back of a milk carton where it said like missing, <laughs> missing man. Like, please let Mets know if you find him because we could desperately use his help. Oh, um, but overall, like you said, yeah, the Dom Smith and Pete Alonso uh, dilemma really won't have a resolve until we figure out what to do. And personally, um, I'd really like to see expanded playoffs, and I'd love Me to too. see both leagues because I think that that's the way the baseball should slowly start to transition. It doesn't make sense to have pitcher bat one league versus not batting in the other. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't people, people like, this is what I never understood about the MLB. The MLB does things. They, they look at you and they're like, what do you want? And we tell them what they want. And they were like, that's awesome. But how about this? And they point to something that no one wants. And we're like, I think that's a horrible idea. And they're like, we're going to put it in. Nobody wanted to see a man runner, a runner on second to start in extra innings. Nobody wanted to see that. We're like, yeah, you know what? We want expanded uh, playoffs. You know what? We want a DH, a universal DH. And they're like, <laughs> that's cool. But how about we put a runner on second to start the extra innings so we can go faster? And we're like, that sounds like a horrible idea. And they're like, sick. We're going to put that in. It doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. But overall, I mean, I just hope that they, they make the rules, the ruling soon. Cause like you said, spring training is less than a month away and I'm, I'm really excited. I can't wait. Cause it's not even close to spring. It's snowing outside where I am. Um, <laughs> overall, uh, this is, this is going to, this has been some off season. It was really boring for so long, but things are starting to pick up. Hopefully both of our teams make those big moves that we want them. And hopefully we have ourselves a subway series world series. But anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to the JC The Truth podcast. Tune in next week, and we will see you all soon.